And now for something completely different. Forget everything you've been told by others before. Get ready for the real deal. The full story. Real talk about money, markets, life. Now, it's The Real Investment Show with Lance Roberts. Presented by RIA Advisors. And welcome to the show this morning. It's the hump day edition of The Real Investment Show. That means Danny Ratliff will be joining this morning to talk a little bit about markets, money, taxes. we got lots of stuff to get into this morning. Um, as we uh, kind of you know get ready to wrap up the month again uh, June is going to be the last month of the quarter and that means we've got a lot of un, you know kind of rebalancing coming for a lot of these pension funds mutual funds hedge funds etc that are pretty off sides because of the selling in the market this year and we had talked about yesterday in the show that we've had just this consistent kind of selling pressure in the markets over the over the last few weeks in fact we had an eight-week stretch of declines um, in the markets, and we have to go back to 1928. And this is one of the longest stretches of declines, consecutive weeks of decline in markets that we've had since 1928. And what that means is, of course, is that you know things can't go down forever. We talk about these uh, things called a selling stampede or a buying stampede, and, and what these are is these very consistent days in a row where you know stocks are just going up kind of this relentless rise or in the latest case is kind of relentless selling uh it's just these stampedes of the selling that occur in markets from time to time well this is one of the longer stretches and this is where you know emotions and we talked a lot about this yesterday emotions get tested this is where we make our mistakes and we start to panic it's like Man, this market's just never going to go up again i just you know i'm going to sell and go to cash be careful here because, again, you know, when you have these very long stretches, they're painful, they're difficult, I know. But this is generally where you get that reflexive recovery. And we haven't gotten one lately. It's been very elusive here as of late. We've talked about that. But it doesn't mean it won't happen. And yesterday's market action was encouraging. Even though the markets were down yesterday, they recovered a lot of that lost ground yesterday, moving into the end of the day. That's very encouraging. We held those supports from last week. So despite the fact that the markets were down yesterday, we actually had some positive action in the markets. And this is on the back of snap earnings and everything else, which was just terrible. But you know, they, you know you've got to kind of look past the headlines and, and not focus too much on things that are going on at the headline surface and focus on what's happening underneath the surface. And I'd like to talk about something else on, on that front. We were catching a lot of grief uh, last month on being long bonds in our portfolio. We were talking about buying bonds and why that was important and that you know bonds had had one of the worst drawdowns that we've seen in a while. And we were talking about the fact that when people realize that inflation has peaked and economic growth is slowing, the yields would begin to reverse. And that's exactly what we've had happening here over the last few days in particular. The market is now shifting from inflation concerns to growth concerns, exactly what we would have expected to happen. And just like in the stock market, the uh, 10-year Treasury rate, the interest rate on the 10-year Treasury, is now forming what is called a head and shoulders pattern. And this is just a technical pattern that simply suggests that mar that interest rates or market, whatever whatever is topping, 
is in a topping process and looking to move lower. And just recently, going back to about mid-April, when we first started talking about this idea that inflation was peaking, we kind of formed this first kind of, uh, you know, uh, shoulder of this move. Interest rates declined a little bit. And then we had some news come in that inflation was still running hot. This was at the first part of May. Uh, inflation had come down a bit, but it was still very high, 8.2%. And interest rates moved back up towards that 3.2% level and peaked right there as the realization was that now the economy was going to start to slow here a bit because of high inflation, because of a lot of the weaker economic data coming in. Interest rates have now begun to decline, uh, form that, that right shoulder here, and are now sitting right on this, what they call the neckline support. And this is at that, we're at that very critical juncture where a break below about 2.7% on the 10-year treasury and and yesterday we kind of closed at 2.76 percent yesterday on the 10-year so we're fairly close to this if we get another move high lower in rates today or the rest of this week we're going to complete that topping process now all that means is is that we're probably looking at interest rates to fall back towards two percent now why is that good news for stock owners it's good news here because if interest rates fall, that's the one thing that's really been impeding a lot of the tech stocks. Tech stocks and growth stocks in particular, where a lot of the damage is being done in portfolios right now, is based on these function of higher rates and the discount rate on forward earnings expectations for these companies. Well, if interest rates come down and we start to see more deflationary, disinflationary, deflationary pressures in the economy, which are showing up right now in a lot of the economic data, we just got yesterday PMI manufacturing and services reports, also Richmond Fed, all showing disinflationary pressures through those indexes. Well, that's going to suggest a lower discount rate of those earnings, and that should help support prices or at least give a bid to some of these beaten up tech stocks that have really been under a lot of pressure lately. So that will give you a better opportunity. And the reason I'm telling you this is to give you a better opportunity to, to sell into a rally rather than kind of dumping stocks here at these levels, sell into that rally, rebalance risk. And again, one thing we've talked about previously is the reason we own bonds in our portfolio is to hedge against market declines. And bonds have really been doing a lot of work here over the last week or so about hedging that risk. They've, they've now gone back to a non-correlated return relative to the markets. When markets are down, bond prices are up that non-correlation has now brought back that hedging function to portfolios, which is exactly what's supposed to happen. Very frustrating earlier this year when they were all correlated together, stocks were going down and bond prices were going down. That appears now that we may be passing that kind of nadir of that point and starting to move back into that non-correlated nature. If interest rates tend to fall here back towards 2%, that also suggests that the Fed may be a lot more constrained in what they do as well in terms of hiking rates. And, and with the markets and the economy doing a good bit of the work for the Fed at this point, the reality of them hiking to 3% is very unlikely. We're probably still talking about the Fed maybe hiking rates one or two more times here in the next you know, couple of meetings. But even yesterday, the Fed's uh, one of the Fed members, Bostic, came out and talked about the fact that there may the Fed may be looking to pause rates after the next couple of meetings to reassess the rate position relative to what's going on in the economy. So 
again, already the Fed kind of dropped those trial balloons here just a little bit that mm, maybe they just won't be quite as aggressive on hiking rates as they were originally set out to be. Because again, the market's done so much of the work. And look, this earnings season has been absolutely terrible to companies missing stocks. Right now, uh, you know, a lot of these companies, Facebook or Meta, whatever their name is these days, <laughs> um, you know, Snap yesterday, you know, these stocks are getting punished. If they miss earnings by even just a little bit, these stocks are down 10, 15, 20, 30%. And that's really kind of become the, the norm here as of late with companies that miss earnings. It's been a very brutal earnings season for a lot of these companies. And, and this really suggests that there's a lot of, you know, investors still just kind of dumping stocks here. It's kind of that retail investor just kind of giving up on the markets. That in a way is a good sign, but it's also one of those signs that, you know, you've got to be careful here not to let your emotions you know, chase you out of stocks at exactly the wrong time because that's what tends to happen. We got a lot of stuff to get into this morning. Uh, like I said, Danny Ratliff joined me. We're talking about taxes. We're talking about markets, a whole lot more. So stick around. More of The Real Investment Show coming up right after the break. Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. always over there staring at me like when the music's playing like he's expecting me to start talking or something well that's exactly what i'm doing so that i know when to do this hey wake up let's go good morning welcome to the show of course it is uh 6 17 as we get this uh new day underway it's the hump day edition of the show of course uh halfway through the week and rainy outside it's it's not, not a great day to start a wednesday but i do want you to know that all the rain is my fault because i did wash my truck on monday you're the one i am the one so yeah i've been driving my truck was filthy been driving around with it like completely filthy for like two months and was just it, got to, was got it to, still green no, it wasn't green, but it, it's just, you know, I've been busy and it's just been, I haven't had time and, yeah. and just, you know, one of those mm. things. And finally I just broke down and I was like, fine, I'm going to go wash my truck. So I went wash my truck on Monday. There you I am. Yeah. yeah. Now it decides to rain after two months. So. Well, we every, thank you. Every, yes. I mean, for breaking the drought. Yes. You know, I am, I am now responsible for that. So you're more than welcome. Um, anyway. A couple of things to get into this morning. You know, I, I was doing a little bit of research this morning um, in the wake of this tragedy that occurred yesterday in this Texas school shooting. And, you know, 
things are coming out still about the shooting and, and the young gentleman that was involved in it. And I, and I just, and of course, you know, immediately the first thing is, is everybody jumps to, you know, we need more gun control. And, you know, one thing I was, I was looking, at, I was like, why is it that there seems to be such a rash of this increase, right? Is it really just because of the availability of guns? And so I just got curious and, and look, there's correlation and there's causation, right? And so it's hard to say that one is a correlation or something caused something to happen. But it was interesting that when Facebook came public in 2012, it, it came public and it was one of the, it was, it was a thing, right? But it was really about 2014, 2015, where Facebook really took off and began to get hundreds of millions of users and all this on Facebook. And coincidentally, that's when the number of homicides by guns really began to take off in the United States. So while everybody points towards the gun issue, nobody's looking at the social media issue. And generally, and don't know about this particular shooting that we're talking about today here in Texas, terrible tragedy, of course. But generally, the one thing we find is, is that there's always a string of posts on Facebook somewhere with one of these guys, you know, talking about, you know, what they're going to do or what they're thinking about. And, you know, you go back and see what kind of, stuff that they were looking at prior to the issues. And, you know, again, is, this, is it correlation that Facebook just happened to take off at that particular time and social media in general, not just Facebook, but social media in general? Or is it really the gun issue, right? So just, like I said, my curiosity got me this morning just to, got me going on this whole issue. Well, I, I think you make a couple of valid points, and I think it's, you know, this one hits home. I've got small children at the house, yeah. and I mean, it's... Uh, Difficult thinking you could send them off and not see them again, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, pray for these people. It's a terrible, terrible environment. But I, I agree. I think that everybody's an expert. Everybody has a platform. Everybody um, has a way to, to feel important. And, you know, and it's based on so many different things that, you know, we see. We see people act emotionally just with, you know, simple little things. Right. Um, you know. Have you been on your your neighborhood Facebook lately? Oh, Talk good about Lord, heck no. <laughs> Talk about no. people people going off the rails over somebody's garbage can. Oh, it has <laughs> gotten bad in our neighborhood. I can tell you that. No, I, I try to stay. I try to stay far away from that stuff because yeah. you want to distance yourself from that aspect of things. And unfortunately, the emotional side—it's so easy to react now. And I think that's what's happened in general. We talk about this with investing, just with you know mm -hmm. the accessibility where people can get on their phone and click a button. Think about it. We used to—if somebody got shot in Pakistan, you may have heard about it you know, weeks later. And the story was probably so distorted by the time you actually received the information yeah. where now, you know, in seconds. Yeah. And that's any information across the globe. No, it, it, no this is the thing. And, and, you know, when you go back and, and generally when you go back and look at, you know, the individuals or the culprits involved in these type of issues, you know, there's a whole long string of evidence of stuff that this was brewing for a very long time on their, on their Facebook page, et cetera. And, you know, but again, if you take a look at teen suicide rates, teen depression rates, teen, um, you know, um, you know, feelings of loneliness, right? Those things have all surged ever since we've had, you know, uh, social media. Teens are more depressed. They're more lonely. They're, you know, they're more suicidal, et cetera. And all the statistics bear this out. I mean, it's just it just kind of goes to show across the platform 
of really what social media is doing to our youth that's coming up. And, and one thing that China is doing, as an example, is they've shut off social media to their youth for exactly these same reasons, because they want their kids to focus on education, science, math, you know, those have their, you know, their plan is to dominate the world. So they're educating their youth. You know, we subject our youth to social media. <laughs> well, so, the problem is what's, you know, where's the reality it, in, in all it, of it? We it, never that's, know. That's right. Well, you don't because, you know, that's, it, there's a, there's a new social media app. I don't know if you've heard about it. It's called Be Real. No. You haven't heard about this? No. Brandon, have you heard about Be Real? It's interesting. So the problem with Instagram and Facebook and these things are that, you know, people go out and they go to somebody's house and they take their pictures in front of their house, you know, some big mansion or they take their they take a picture next to somebody's Lamborghini and then they post this stuff and and they kind of post it that makes it look like their life is like this. Right. So everybody's life on social media is absolutely perfect. Right. And so a lot of this stuff is all staged. People plan this stuff out. And so they get the exact perfect picture or they take a thousand pictures, whatever it is, to get the right one that they want to post. So, you know, what you get is a snippet of a very kind of like a, a scripted television show on social media. Well, Be Real is a, a social media app that alerts you at random times of the day. And so you don't know where you're going to be or what you're going to be doing. And it'll send you a random alert and you have two minutes to post a pic. So you've pretty much just got to post a pic of what, you know, I'm in the bathroom, right? Doing? I'm in the bathroom right now with, you know, washing my cat, right? You know, whatever it is, then that's your post. But the point of Be Real is to, and it's, is to show what real life is like on social media. You don't have time to go stage these photos. So they're trying to get people to show what their life is really like, which is, is an interesting kind of twist of social media. And look, it's taken off my, you know, kids are doing this. You know, as well. Well, that's and great. So, I mean, it's going to be really difficult to ditch the studio apartment and hit the man, the you know, fifteen bedroom <laughs> exactly. mansion or the hoopty for the Ferrari. I've got, to, I've got to drive three hours to you know somewhere to get the picture. Yeah, you can't do that anymore. Yeah. But it is kind of interesting. But but again, this is but what Be Real is trying to solve is the problem that we're talking about, which is everything on social media. A big chunk of it is just is, is fake, and the rest of it is bots, and the rest of it after that is just depressing. So. You know, you know, again, you know, we're looking at, you know, we've got to fix the gun problem going back to our to, to the, the, the start of this. You know, we've got to take away the guns to fix the gun problem. That's not going to solve the problem because, you know, criminals get guns all the time. Right. This, it, you just take away guns from law abiding citizens. All you're going to wind up doing. And so now law abiding citizens can't protect themselves from the criminals who have the guns. But we're not looking at the problem, which is becoming more and more evident that it's stemming from social media and what it's doing to our youth, which is a concern for the future. Anyway, sorry, I didn't mean to, to get off on a rant this morning on that. Just like but I said, my, my curiosity got me. No, no, I think it's, it's really good points. I think people are actually probably getting even more lonely right now with the cost of gas. Can't uh, go inflation. anywhere. No, you can't. <laughs> I mean, I have visited with multiple people this week who have changed plans who have decided, you know, people with travel trailers saying, you know what, we're not hooking this thing up. It's so expensive you know, to go I, from I here to there. I was just about to say that. You know, one thing we saw during the pandemic shutdown, mm -hmm. which I thought was interesting, was a massive surge in RV sales. Yeah. I mean, because you couldn't fly anywhere, right? So everybody went out and bought RVs. I don't know if they got their $1,400 check and they bought an RV. Um, 
But so what's interesting, though, is is I saw a sign on Saturday. My wife and I had gone uh, to Costco for our anniversary because that's where she wants to go. You're such a romantic. I know. I know. She was very happy. <laughs> Made her day. Uh, but on the way back from Costco, we passed a sign that says, you know, we buy RVs for cash. Now, you normally see that when people are trying to dump stuff, right? Yeah. So, you know, here I am trying to get rid of something. I'm trying to find somebody to buy this thing. So, you know, we've seen these signs before. It's like we buy ugly houses for cash and all that. We buy RVs for cash is now the new sign. But, but that's the point. Everybody went out and bought these RVs. Gas was fairly cheap. Could go drive around the country and travel and do whatever. Live down by the river in my van. Um, you know, that was all great until gas went to 5 $6 a gallon, depending on where you live. Um, all of a sudden, these RVs aren't so cheap anymore. And, and I think we're going to see a big, you know, big chunk of these RVs hit the market here soon. Well, you know, no, what some of the untold story of the RVs is you get one of those things. Where are you going to park it? How much does that cost? When, oh, yeah, yeah. How no, much does it, it cost to drain the poop tank? That kind of yeah. stuff. I mean, little hidden expenses. Well, yeah, the, this is the same thing that millennials find out. Well, they, went, they went out to all go buy houses. They're like, nobody told us we had to pay HOA dues. Nobody <laughs> right. told us about taxes. Nobody told us about maintenance. You know, nobody I got to replace a water heater? Yeah. What's that all about? Exactly. So they had a survey out just recently of, of new millennial home buyers, and like 60% of them were disappointed they bought a house. <laughs> and it's like, yeah, they're expensive. You know, houses, everybody's like, everybody, the only thing people are told about houses is you buy a house and it goes up in price. It's an asset. No, it's not. Once you price in all your expenses, taxes, maintenance, upkeep, lawn care, blah, blah, you're losing money on a house. I don't care. I pretty much don't care when you sell it. Well, and everybody acts like the, your, your primary residence is a big investment, which it can be if you can step aside like and go rent. Yeah. But most people won't do it. They're going to sell because, oh, man, look, prices are high. But then where are you going to go? I'm going to go rent. Well, it, besides that. My wife and I, oh, I know. had I know. put her house up yesterday, three showings yesterday, all in one day. Awesome. Yeah. So, yeah. Good for you. Head to rent. <laughs> if I didn't have three little ones, I'd be doing the same thing. <laughs> hey, just do it. Man, I don't have time for that. <laughs> we'll be right back after the break. Don't go away. We got to talk about taxes and markets. Be right back. investment advice blog it's required reading for the informed investor catch it today at realinvestmentadvice.com some people don't know about bonds i am told this is a bond i've never seen a bond before i never owned a bond in my portfolio it is terrifying get to know bonds in our next free lunch and learn thursday june 2nd with richard rosso danny ratliff and special guest lance roberts register now at realinvestmentadvice.com the thing about bonds with ratliff rosso and roberts realinvestmentadvice.com you're listening to the real investment show Headline this morning from Brent. Why are catfish in Sweden living as long as humans? Okay, catfish live for 
a very long time, and they grow until they die. And the only difference between why catfish are living longer in Sweden is they don't eat catfish. They don't noodle, <laughs> right? Only in, only in the U.S. do we noodle catfish, <laughs> which is shortening the lifespan of catfish in the U.S. And people. <laughs> I just want to know whose brilliant idea was, is I'm going to stick my arm in this hole and see what comes out of it. <laughs> I want to know, only in Arkansas that had to happen, right? Or Louisiana. I don't know where, where noodling started, but whatever state it started in. Florida man. Could be Florida man. Yeah. <laughs> Just saying. There's, there's some things that you think about doing and you go, yeah, probably shouldn't do that. <laughs> then there's some guy in Louisiana, I'm going to stick my arm in this hole. <laughs> See what comes out. Oh, good. Let's catfish. And then how they call it noodling. How'd you come up with the name noodling for that? Because that's what your arm ends up being after the, after the process. It's just a noodle at the end of your shoulder. Could be the case. Anyway. Morning, Danny. How are you? Hey, doing well. How about you? Good. All right. What you got this morning? Well, I find it interesting right now that we have a handful of millionaires, the patriotic millionaires, that yeah. are calling for a, a global tax hike. But it's headed by Abigail Disney and Mark Ruffalo. So kind of interesting because we're not talking about your average, Joe. You keep seeing these headlines. They say, hey, millionaires calling for higher taxes. There's 150 of them. And I would say they're not your average millionaire. They're probably your your multi-multi-millionaire. So a little bit interesting, you know, when you talk about looking at some of these things. um, You know, I think it's an interesting environment, you know, kicking somebody when they're down. Mm -hmm. They say, but, you know, right now... I mean, think about it. everybody's, you know, everybody's having a little bit of an issue with paying bills. Things are getting more and more expensive. And hey, let's hit them again and raise taxes. Well, here's here's the here's the irony of this, right? You know, Mark Ruff. This is a message directly to Mark Ruffalo and who else was it? Abigail Disney. Abigail Disney. There's there's a little thing on your check. So if you look on your check, right where you fill it out, it says you know at the top it says pay to the order to the amount. And then you write the amount out and, you know, words. And then there's this little line on the left-hand corner that says memo. Now, you, you, you probably haven't written a check personally because you have so much money. You've probably got other people that do this work for you. But trust me, there is this line on your check that says memo. Even if you're paying electronically on your website, you know, you go to bankofamerica.com or chase.com, whatever it is, and you're going to send, you know, have a pay bill. There's an actual minimum memo line there as well that you can use. And here's the funny thing about taxes. You don't have to have a higher tax rate to pay more taxes. If you feel it's your patriotic duty to pay taxes, and you really think this is an important thing, there's nothing stopping you from doing that. You just simply write a check made out to the U.S. Treasury Department or the IRS, either one, and just say, donation to U.S. government. And in the memo line, I'm paying extra taxes. And send it to them. And then guess what? They are going to be more than happy to take your money. And this is this is the whole irony of all this. These people that are talking about, oh, we need to pay higher taxes. We need a higher tax rate. Ain't nothing stopping you from paying more taxes. Feel free. Be my guest. You know, the problem is that when you start hiking tax rates, you don't just impact those in higher income brackets. 
It's a trickle-down effect. It's a trickle-down effect because the costs go up for everybody. When you tax the rich more, they're the ones that own the companies that produce the goods, the services, whatever it is. The consumers get hit by higher prices through higher taxes. So while this is all sounds like a great idea and very noble in general, that we need to have the rich pay more taxes, first of all, the rich pay 90% of all the taxes to start with. The second thing is, is ain't nothing stopping you from paying more in taxes. So quit bitching about it and start paying more taxes. This is the whole point, right? But but look, they don't really want to pay more taxes. Nobody wants to pay more taxes. This is just really more virtue signaling by these people, because at the end of the day, they know that the tax code works in their favor. You can look, you can boost the high the tax rate to fifty percent. You're not going to collect a whole lot more taxes because, again, the tax the tax code is what keeps these individuals from paying more taxes. They're doing charitable donations. They're funding foundations. They're writing off expenses. They're creating production companies for these uh, Mark Ruffalo types that they use and run money through to offset expenses and lower income. It's just it's just the way the tax code works. So if you don't like taxes and you don't like the tax code, change the tax code. Don't change the tax rate. Well, most of those things you mentioned are good things. They're giving money to charity. They're finding yeah. ways to to improve things. I mean, these sure. are not uh, they're not bad ideas, and people shouldn't be disincentivized to do so. The problem, I think, is that most of these people don't know anybody who actually started a business from the ground up, who have a lot of blood, sweat, and tears mm-hmm. into it, who took on that risk, who took on the risk of employing people, and understand how the real world world works. Yeah, it's it's very it's a very different world when you just you know kind of make a movie and get paid you know. 50 yeah. million bucks for doing it. That's kind of a different thing than the guy that went and started a business from nothing, grew it up, and took on all that risk. And again, like you said, created jobs and pay people's taxes and pays benefits and all these type of things. It's a very different But, story. you know, I have a better idea. Instead of them getting so mad about people paying taxes because they say that, you know, the, the wealthy, the rich just get richer. And you know what? Historically, that's right because you have to have money to make money. Right. And so that's part of the problem, Right which I don't think is a problem. I think that's it's a good thing if you've done it all the right way. However, um, what about spending? Why aren't they knocking on the government's door saying, where's this money going? What are you spending it on? And, and and how is this working? Nobody ever seems to be concerned with that. Right. Well, no, that's 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 the other point. So, great, you want to pay more taxes. By the way, uh, just as a side note, we had more in tax revenue collection last year than we've had in years. Right. The actual deficit of the government went down. We actually collected more and more in taxes last year than we actually had in outflows for the first time in like years. So the deficit actually reduced last year. So we're collecting more in taxes. That's great. But where's it going? It's going to Social Security, Medicare, Medicaid and interest expense on the debt. That's where all your tax dollars goes. Everything else is paid for through debt. So, again, to to Danny's point, you know, when you're running 30 trillion in debt and, and climbing, Maybe the question we need to be asking is not not paying more in taxes, because, again, paying more in taxes. I don't know where everybody got this idea that we need to tax the rich more because the little guy's hurting. Paying more in taxes doesn't help the little guy. It actually hurts them because, again, costs pass down. That's just that's just the way the world works. That's the way economics work. So you're just going to wind up impact. And this is the thing that's always interesting. These politicians always say, we're only going to raise taxes on the rich. Everybody else is going to get a tax cut. That's not the way it works. Because taxes at the bottom 50% of the economy, they don't pay taxes to start with. The bottom 30% get a rebate from government. They pay taxes through higher cost. 
because, again, when the corporations and the executives are paying higher taxes, they raise their costs, and that all gets passed down to the bottom line. So, again, it sounds noble to pay taxes, but what we need to do is reduce the debt, get stronger economic growth, which actually provides a better benefit for everyone. Everyone participates in stronger economic growth. You get better income equality that way. But you've got to reduce the debt to get stronger economic growth. So that's the thing we need to be focusing on is spending, like Danny said, rather than taxes. Okay, another rant. What else you got? Don't hold your breath. It's, <laughs> it's not going to happen. No, it's not. It's, it's, all, it's all great talk. But again, look, if you want to pay more taxes, feel free. Nobody's stopping you from paying more taxes. Warren Buffett, he complained about, you know, he, pay, he, doesn't, he pays less taxes than a secretary. Great. Pay more taxes. All talk, no action. You know, lead by example. This is, you know, if you really believe that you need to pay more taxes, lead by example. Jamie Dimon, pay more taxes. Write a check to the government for a billion dollars. You can afford it. And then, guess what? Everybody else will follow suit. <laughs> I don't think so. No? No. No. You know, what, no, you're saying they're hypocritical? Talk- yeah, of course. Okay, that's well, and not, not to mention, look, the average American, they're, they're having trouble meeting bills. I mean, we talk about this. We see the data. We see the inflation mm. numbers. You know, Brian Monahan, the CEO of Bank of America, has now come out and says, we're not going into a recession. Everything's going to be fine. The average checking and savings account for them has an additional 10% in in balances versus pre-pandemic which is now actually two percent because you have eight percent inflation correct but we're not talking about the median we're talking about the average so where is that coming from top 10 percent of income yeah yep. of course all right next topic what you got that's it we're done <laughs> should should have ran it longer <laughs> I just, yeah. I just, because otherwise I'm just going to wind up ranting for another three minutes on this. Uh, no, we got to talk about taxes do we, when we come back. I'm sorry, we talked about taxes when we come back. We do have to talk about a little bit about the markets and kind of what happens next. Because again, you know, what Danny said is interesting. You know, when you're taking a look at the at the economy, there's certainly a lot of indicators that we're heading towards a recession sooner rather than later. But interestingly enough credit spreads really aren't suggesting that and you know is brian monahan right that we're not going to have a recession could we technically have a soft landing could for the first time in like ever the fed actually engineer a soft landing we'll talk about that when we come back for the break here in a minute um but we have a uh lunch and learn coming up right we we do so we have a webinar coming up it's going to be june 2nd uh thursday so that's what two weeks from now um, it's going to be, we're going to be discussing fixed income and bonds. So, you know, it's been an interesting environment for fixed income in the sense that, you know, we keep hearing the the mass ma- mainstream media saying, get out of bonds. It's terrible. Interest rates are going to the roof. We're going to talk about how they really work, what that really means, and where things will go in this, in this environment that we're in right now. And like I said, it's coming up on June the 2nd. It's a webinar. It's not a live event. So it'll all be online. And uh, we do have live events now. We are back to doing live events, and we're going to have more of those this year as well. But uh, this one's online. It'll be at realinvestmentadvice.com. Go there. You can sign up now. Um, seating isn't limited, so but they are filling up pretty quick. So, <laughs> you know, hurry. It's hard, to, it's hard to have a sense of urgency to sign up for stuff when it's online. <laughs> so but, I'll be there when I'm there. Yeah. Sign up. We're going to talk all about bonds. Um, all right. Quick break. We'll come back. Um, are we heading to a recession or not? That's the big question because that's going to be the impact on the markets because bear markets are a function of recession. And if we don't have one, what does that mean? Talk about that coming right back.
Get daily investment news you can use. Delivered at the speed of the internet at realinvestmentadvice.com. Some people don't know about bonds. I am told this is a bond. I've never seen a bond before. I never owned a bond in my portfolio. It is terrifying. Get to know bonds in our next free Lunch and Learn. Thursday, June 2nd with Richard Rosso, Danny Ratliff, and special guest Lance Roberts. Register now at realinvestmentadvice.com. The thing about bonds with Ratliff, Rosso, and Roberts. realinvestmentadvice.com. The Real Investment Show. Welcome back to the show this morning. So talking a little bit about uh, just for the break, uh, Brian Monahan says nothing is going to slow down the U.S. consumer from spending because they have all this extra money in their bank account from, you know, the great pandemic shutdown, all these checks we sent. And, you know, Danny brings up an excellent point. We talk about averages, right? The average savings is 10 percent higher than it was. Well, it's actually not true. There's plenty of statistical data out there showing that the average American is already going back rapidly into debt to make ends meet because they don't have any excess savings. The excess savings are in the top 10% of income earners who haven't been traveling and haven't been spending as much because of the pandemic shutdown. And again, kind of once you're in that upper echelon, right, of income earners in the top 10%, you're, you're spending isn't you know as aggressive and what i mean by that is is you know once you you know once you have your nice car once you've bought your you know couple of million dollar houses and you know once you've kind of done that you know your spending is pretty much contained to just you know maintenance upkeep you know day-to-day living those type of things because you're not running out every day buying well some people may be but most people aren't running out you know, every day buying brand new Lamborghinis every single day, right? I mean, your your cost of living becomes fairly kind of fixed. So when, you know, the economy gets into a position to where you don't travel for a year or two, right, because of the pandemic, well, all that excess income coming in that normally you spend on travel just kind of piled up into accounts. And, and that's what we've kind of seen here. So we have this excess savings rate in the top 10% of income earners, but the bottom 90%. Again, we just keep getting these statistics all the time that show, you know, the average American can't come up with $500 to make ends meet and, you know, these type of things. We, you know, it's, and, and these studies are just consistent um, across the board. And, and so it's, it's important to understand that because the question now becomes, you know, where are we going to get into a recession later this year? That's the big question. And the reason that that's an important question is, is that the market is currently down about 17, 18% for the year on the S&P. That is about the average historical drawdown, and here's the key words, for a non-recessionary bear market. So that's key. What's the average drawdown during a recessionary period in a bear market? That's about 33% average. Some are worse. 2009 is, 2008 is an example, 52%. 2000 was 49, 
But average throughout history during a recession, the average drawdown is 33%. So the question now becomes, and the important question is, are we heading into a recession? Well, a lot of the economic data suggests that is the case. Manufacturing data has turned lower. New orders are dropping pretty quickly here. We're seeing, you know, um, you know, uh, other indicators kind of on the economic front showing us that there's certainly a slowdown in the economy coming. And with rates high and the Fed hiking rates, the risk of a recession is certainly fairly evident. However, there's other indicators that suggest that maybe there's not such a risk of a recession, at least in the next six to nine to 12 months. Doesn't mean we can't have one after that. But one of those is credit spreads. And we look at the spread between junk-rated bonds and A-rated bonds, right? So I'm sorry, let me use the Wall Street colloquialism for junk bonds. Uh, High-yield bonds and, <laughs> and A-rated bonds. That spread is still at very, very low levels. Now, normally when you're heading into a recessionary environment, that spike is running, that, that, that spread is spiking very quickly. And that tells you there's stress in the credit markets. And things are really starting to reverse pretty quickly, and that's not happening. Volatility in the markets. Despite the fact we've had the 17% decline in markets, there's no stress. Volatility remains fairly muted at this point. It's not spiking. And actually, volatility has been dropping over the last you know, two weeks, despite the market uh, turmoil, which shows that there's very little you know, stress in financial markets. And this is one of the things the Fed's probably looking at as well, going, right now we can hike rates because the market's not under stress. And that also brings up an interesting point, Danny, is that, you know, the Fed looks at the market one way, we look at a market the other way. The way that we look at the market and the way the average investor looks at the market, which we've argued before is incorrect, is they look at it on a year-to-date basis. Year-to-date, my portfolio is down 17%. Oh, it's terrible. When is the Fed going to show up and start bailing out the markets? How long are they going to let this market decline? The Fed doesn't look at it that way. The Fed looks at it, where were we back before the last recession, and where are we today? Where were we in February of 2020, and where are we today? We're still 15% higher than we were in March of 2020. So you kind of average that out. We're, we're, we've had 7% returns for the last two years on average, right? Because we're 15% higher over the last two years. So the point about this is, is from the Fed's perspective, they've got plenty of room to hike rates here because, again, markets are still positive over the last two years. And so that removes that stress from the Fed in terms of showing up with the Fed put. They can allow the markets to decline some more without – you know, getting into trouble. And because there's no credit stress right now, there's even more room for them to hike rates because they're sitting there looking at the financial markets going, asset prices are higher than they were two years ago. The economy's doing, eh, okay, but it's not terrible. Unemployment remains at fairly low levels. Now that can change very quickly. We can start seeing spikes in employment, unemployment any day, right? That's, that's going to change rapidly. But credit stress, which is their main concern with the economy, is very low. So the issue when we come back to talk about this is that the Fed may not be showing, showing up anytime soon with reducing Fed uh, rate hikes, but we could see them pause here a bit. But again, the thing you want to watch and the thing that makes the difference between this being just a correction within a bull market or a real bear market itself is whether or not we get into a recession. And like I said, right now, there's some indicators suggesting that 
We could definitely see more of a slowdown economically, but maybe not a recession until we get into next year. So we'll see. Well, but what about all the all the other stocks? Kind of when you lift lift up the hood, you take a look at the indexes. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more devastation than what the actual numbers show. Oh yeah, because especially when we're talking about market cap weighted indexes, um, you know there are a lot of opportunities out there. S investors here at some point, but there's also a lot of companies that are beat up. Oh yeah, you know, intentionally they needed to be. Well, no, I, I was having a, a meeting yesterday with one of our fam- with one of our family offices, and and we were talking about that very same thing. Is that you know, outside the surface, because, you know, despite the fact that Apple, Google are down um, and that's really what's contributed to the sharp decline over the last two months is really is that the markets finally came after the generals. The uh, Earlier this year, we wrote some articles about that very issue, Danny, the devastation below the surface. Because Apple, Microsoft, Google, Amazon, they were all holding up the market. But now the markets come after them. And we've seen that decline here over the last two months. But they're still up, you know, they're still positive over the last couple of years. And, and you know, yes, they've had a big decline here. But, you know, it's negligible when compared to companies like Shopify, which went from like $1,200 a share to 300 You know, there's uh, and below the surface, there's a lot of these companies. And, and we've written some articles about it lately talking about, you know, when you take a look at some of these companies, they're down 70, 80, 90% from their peaks. You know, Coinbase, um, Roku, uh, you know, Carvana. There, and, and, and some of these companies aren't going to survive. There's, there's a lot of companies that can, and this is what we always see during these kind of, you know, these kind of momentary bouts of insanity in the markets. And we start doing everything through SPACs and IPOs. You know, we can't get a company to go IPO too slow so we're going to roll it to a spec right we got to get we just got to figure out some way to get this company out sell it to the to the uh to the sucker i mean the retail investor uh so we can make our money and stick them with the bad product so a lot of these companies aren't going to be around in the next few years but there's there's some of these companies that are actually very very good companies and they've been really beat up here valuations are still expensive and that's still being worked off here but you know there's going to be some real opportunity to invest in some of these more innovative companies that survive. And the, the trick is going to be, though, figuring out. And, and again, we go back to 2001 and two, and people forget about this, but Amazon lost like 80, 90% of its value during the dot-com crash because they're a bookseller, right? <laughs> they were selling books online. Stupid idea. Uh, the company lost you know, 80, 90% of its value. And people were convinced at that point Amazon was just going to go the way of Pets.com and the sock puppet, right? So it, it didn't, you know, and, and the trick is going to be during this route in the markets is figuring out which companies are going to survive because there'll be a lot of money made if you can figure out the right companies that survive versus a lot of these other ones that won't. Well, that's where the importance of picking individual stocks, understanding balance sheets, looking at the actual health of a company versus the... The, you know, the theme of the day, I think is going to be extremely important when we get in that environment. Yeah. yeah well, and I said, and, and look, I'm not, I'm not promoting a stock at all, but I was, I was, like I said, I was just, I've been kind of digging around. Look, I was looking at Shopify the other day. Um, stock was $1,800 a share back in December. It's $324 a share now. Wow. So, but this company actually has income as compared to a lot of these other companies that make $181 million on sales of 4.8 billion. It's not great. But, you know, they because their operating margin is very thin. It's about a 1% operating margin. But the point is they actually make money. Now, are they near fair value? No. 
Yeah. No, they're still trading at nine times price to sales. So it's got to get a lot cheaper. But this is a company that actually make money. And if you can get the valuation right, probably around $100 a share or so, um, if we get into a bear market, that's where it'll be. Um, then all of a sudden, you've got a viable company coming out of this on the other side. You just got to ring out all this excess speculation that went on from these retail traders. And, and we're going to get to that. And we're getting to that point. Um, and so either earnings will catch up to the price or price will catch down to earnings. So that's, and that's what's going on right now. But I'm saying it's just, you know, there's some opportunity out there down the road. You just got to be in a position of having cash and having some real fortitude to buy this stuff when nobody else wants it. All right, wraps up the show for today. Danny, thank you so much. Um, we'll come back in a few minutes. We'll have three minutes on markets and money coming up here shortly. Be sure to get by the website, realinvestmentadvice.com. Get registered for our Lunch and Learn on bonds June the 2nd. And check out simplevisor.com. We have a new research page up on that as well, simplevisor.com. See you tomorrow.